If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet PlushCare, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Coming to you live from the greatest country in the world, broadcasting from the tippy top of the world famous Fox News headquarters in New York City. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon, a man who has never traded a women's basketball player for a Russian arms dealer. Joe Biden finalizing a trade to get Brittany Griner back from Vladimir Putin in exchange for the most notorious arms dealer in the world. What in the wide, wide world of sports is going on here? I really don't know. She hates the country, kneels for the national anthem, and he just happens to be a much better shooter, if we're being honest here. But uh, 888-788-9910, the phone number, if you want to weigh in on this today. Uh, Molly Hemingway is going to be here, senior editor at The Federalist. Brian Brenberg is in the house as well, econ whiz from the King's College, Fox News contributor, cable news super hunk. He really is. He's one of the guys that makes me eat better. Uh, every time you see me in a split screen with Brenberg, you can't help but look to my side and be like, That boy is a P.I.G. pig. Seriously. So I'll be sucking it in with Brenberg three hours from now when he gets here. But in the meantime, we begin with some you and me time where you are always welcome, regardless of your uh, creed or code or ethics. or you know, well, We say this every day. I don't care if you're a Republican or a Democrat. Just don't be a that is all. Happy Thursday. Big Thursday. It is my last Thursday, uh, my last day anyway in New York. Uh, I head down to Oklahoma City tomorrow. We will be doing the show live at the legendary studios of the Eagle down in there in OKC. Joe Friday, Kevin Waltman, I'm coming for you girls. Uh, and then uh, tomorrow night we will, of course, be at the Bricktown Comedy Club Friday and Saturday. There are still a handful of seats left if you want to go to BricktownComedy.com. You can hang out with your radio buddy. And if you missed me on TV, I was on with Sean Hannity last night. We posted it on the Fox Across America Facebook page. And I just, I'm talking 30 seconds ago, got off TV with Harris Faulkner. And I got to tell you, she absolutely loved the appearance. That is offensive, and it is not true. Uh, really quick, before we start the show show and have this grown-up talk about the news, Mikey and Josh were were you uh, by chance watching the TV for the conversation about the topless women? I just want to know if this is a thing. Uh, no, I missed that. <laughs> you were too busy rewinding it in slow-mo. He was making me watch that Harry Meghan documentary. Oh, Mikey, how dare you? How uh, you dare know, it you? It is show preparation. Well, so, okay. <laughs> anyway, I'm doing the Faulkner focus. It's like my favorite show to do. The first story is about Jennifer Lawrence getting made fun of because she made some dopey comments. The second story is actually about AOC getting invested by the Ethics Committee. AOC is a dope. But the third story is about Nantucket voting to legalize topless beaches. Hubba, hubba. Maybe so. But the point is, uh, I couldn't do anything but offer her candor on what the end of that you know, law would result in, which was a lot of married men like myself buying very dark sunglasses so we didn't get caught looking around at all the topless women. And the point is, yes, uh, it was a stupid joke, but no joke stupider than the trade we just made with the Russians. And obviously you're happy to see an American come home safely 
Okay, but understand in making this trade, there's just so much to break down here. I'm happy for her. I'm happy for her family. We play team ball on this show. We're all in this together, girls. Come on. Who's with me? USA. You know, that's the show. Okay, rah, rah, rah. We love America. And we do. And it's what I grew up in Levittown. It's all veterans. All veterans. Uh, I got beat as a kid by guys who, you know, were looking out for me and uh, taught me to look out for this country, okay? And I thank every one of those guys. And they drank terrible beer, uh, but they all beat me up and dunked me in their above-ground pools. We played a lot of wiffle ball. We rode a lot of bikes. You know, I grew up in an era where you were like, you know, they say free-range chickens. We were free-range children. Like, I'd leave my bikes for days on end on my bicycle. It was like the Oregon Trail. You'd leave with people who weren't alive by the time you got back. It was like big journeys. Uh, But the point is, I do love the country. I am happy for her and her family. You don't want to have your kid. You don't have your spouse. You don't have your sibling overseas. But to be very clear, Brittany Griner was someone who constantly protested the national anthem. She was somebody who said America sucks and it's systemically racist. And she did get caught smuggling drugs into Russia, despite the fact that they have a very strict stance. That's stupid. Use your common sense. It was stupid. Okay, not as stupid as it was of her to hate America, a place that had made her rich and famous for playing a child's game, a game children, millions of children across the country. Okay, are playing in their driveway right now or playing by their curb or playing in their schoolyard, you know, or playing on the side of a barn. Okay, it's basketball. Okay, if you're rich and kind of famous and traveling the world playing basketball, America's been pretty good to you. I think he's got a point. Seriously, the only words you should ever say to America if you were Brittany Griner are thank you. Nothing. Thank you. Before you got imprisoned, after you got back. Thank you and shut up. Okay, but understand the reason people are worked up about this deal, okay, it's not because you don't wish the person the best. I might disagree with their philosophy in life. Doesn't mean I hate them, doesn't mean I wish them ill will. But you understand in making this trade, we bring back a WNBA player, but you know who we leave behind? You know who we leave behind? A Marine by the name of Paul Whalen. Who served this country? Biden sucks. I mean, really think about that. We, we free the WNBA player because it's a little more high profile. And we leave behind a Marine. That's not right. Understand. Okay, and who are we trading them for? The most notorious Russian arms dealer, maybe in history. It took a 10-year case to get this guy, Victor Boot. He speaks six languages. He's known as the merchant of death. Okay, and he now... At a time when we're being told the war in Ukraine is the root of all evil, okay, we just gave Russia back their number one arms dealer. How long is it before our soldiers are getting fired at by the weaponry he gets out of Afghanistan that we left behind? How long? Okay, you know, the big winner in the trade is Zelensky because we're basically three weeks away from them being like, wow, Russia's really stepped up the arms game. We got to give Ukraine a couple more mortars or so. We have, How about a Venmo to Ukraine? Who's got, can I get an amen? And we send a Venmo over to Ukraine. And that's what happened. We left, we have a Marine right now who's overseas being held, being held overseas. Okay. We get, we leave him there. We bring home a pot smoking American hating Brittany Griner for the merchant of death. And it's absurd on its face. Okay. But here's Anthony Blinken, your secretary of state. You know, the same guy that got out there and every day and was like, You know, the Afghan government's not going to (laughs) collapse. Don't worry, okay? Just because we pulled the troops out ahead of the civilians doesn't mean things are going to go sideways. And then what did he ultimately say? Well, it was the, it was the, 
most successful airlift in history. Don't you have any respect for yourself? No, and they know that overseas. We have demonstrated weakness on the world stage. I told you, there's a real, like, this isn't political, man. Okay, the world is rolling us right now. We look soft. Okay, when you have a military that's focusing on pronouns instead of pugilism, you know, it's war. When you're focusing on inclusion in the military, yo, here's a newsflash, okay? Military doesn't always use the best language. I'm not going to lie. You're the lowest form of life on earth. Sure, okay, but when you get on a battlefield, there's no room for discrimination. You're never going to hear, cover me, I'm going in, but not you because I don't like your kind. That's not going to happen. Are they going to use bad words from time to time? Probably. Why, you little maggots, you make me want to vomit. Fine. Okay, but when it comes to war, it's still war. And they see us fighting most of our battles internally, demonstrating weakness on the world stage. You're so ugly you can be a modern art masterpiece. Can't do any of that stuff anymore. You can't do it. The issue here, okay, though, is we got rolled on the world stage. Yeah, we're fighting a lot of internal battles. But on the world stage, they saw us retreat from Afghanistan with our tail between our legs. We went to Afghanistan after September 11th to make sure it didn't become a breeding ground for terror groups. Never forget that. We spent 20 years there. We spilled untold amounts of blood and treasure over the course of those 20 years only to leave with a terror group. The very thing we went there to make sure it didn't exist, we left with a terror group in charge of their government sitting on $85 billion of our weapons. Do you understand, folks? This could be a problem. It's become a problem. We've demonstrated that weakness on the world stage. We're getting pushed around by Russia, China encroaching on Taiwan. It's a bad time to be, okay? And it's a worse time for the morale of the brave men and women who put on this uniform. You know, yesterday we had a border agent killed. Okay, we've seen this mass exodus, a 40% increase in early retirement from police because they've been slandered by liberals and the media and Democrats year after year since 2020. All the cops are bad. Okay, you've got this morale problem down at the border where we've lost operational control, and we've got a president who says there's better things to do, better things to do than go visit the border. It's people with a dirty mind that think like that. But you understand, why isn't he going after the border? Because the border's racist. No human being is illegal. You know, unless they show up on a bust of Martha's Vineyard, in which case, gotta go! <laughs> We're fighting all of the wrong practical battles. Okay, border security is absolutely the number one priority of pretty much every national security-focused country around the globe. They all secure their border. Why? It's front door of the house. You need it locked. You want to know who's coming in. You want to know who's coming out. Shut up about racism, tolerance, and inclusion, and building bridges and not walls. Just lock the front door. That's it. Simple conversation in any other country but ours. Okay, when they see this stuff going on within the military— and all of a sudden, you know, we got to have we have to have flight suits for pregnant women who are six months, eight months pregnant so they can be in the Air Force because we shouldn't be discriminating against pregnant women. Yeah, pregnant women are wonderful. God love them. OK, doesn't mean you should be flying an F-18 in the middle of combat just because we've never had somebody fly an F-18 in the middle of combat. Yo, here's a newsflash. We've never had a president of the United States who was an ex-New York City cab driver who has 60 community college credits and spends most of his nights playing video games with his 14-year-old son. That doesn't mean you should make me president of the United States. You don't do it just to say you did. You know what I mean? There's a lot of things you could do, okay? You know, listen, you're all surrounded by an outlet in your house right now. 
all of you, okay? You know, it, just, just, just because you've never come up and stuck your thing in it doesn't mean you should. What the hell did you just say? Here is Anthony Blinken. What the hell did he just say? He said, we weren't given a choice in this trade. This was not a choice of which American to bring home. The choice was one or none. I wholeheartedly wish that we could have brought Paul home today on the same plane as Brittany, just as at the time I wish we could have brought Brittany and Paul home when we secured the release of Trevor Reed back in April. But we will stay at it. We continue to work uh, with the Whelan family, who've been extraordinarily gracious, and we hold them in our thoughts and prayers always, but especially today. And we will never relent until Paul, and for that matter, every other U.S. national held hostage or wrongfully detained abroad is free and coming home and joining their families where they belong. You sack! Okay, when I hear things that is America, you know, the team nobody wants to play, America wasn't given a choice. Yo, we're America. What do you mean we weren't given a choice? We're America. Do whatever the hell we want if we act like America. You know, the problem is, we, you know, it's not a United States of America. It's a woke states of America. Okay, people see us as weak. People see us as not having the leverage right now. You know, we sanctioned Putin. Remember, with all oh, those sanctions, don't worry. They'll stop the invasion. He's not going to invade when he sees these sanctions. I'm telling you right now, the sanctions are going to stop. Wrong. Oh, the Afghan army. That's going to hold. You don't worry. The government's going to be there. As they were saying that to you on TV, the president of Afghanistan was boarding a boat out of the country with all the money he had, <laughs> like literally suitcases of money. And they knew this. They were lying is the point. And when they got on TV and told you the Afghan collapse was a success, that sent a message to the rest of the world that not only were they weak, but they were completely full of because they were more concerned about the politics than the people. In this instance, more concerned about the politics. Brittany Griner is more famous than Paul Whelan. He's a Marine. He fought for his country. Okay? She blasphemed her country, refused to stand for the national anthem, and then smuggled weed into Russia like an idiot. Okay? Yet we prioritized her release. We did not stand our ground in this attempt to get Paul Whelan back because the politics, hey, you know that celebrity overseas? The politics are more always more important than the people. That's the problem in the Biden administration. The problem in the military, the rest of the world knows now, we're fighting a lot of the wrong battles. We're a lot more concerned about hurting people's feelings than we are with hurting our enemies. It's the war movie that's got critics praising its inclusiveness. Introducing Woke Metal Jacket. I am Gunnery Sergeant Hartman, your senior drill instructor. The Pentagon is tired of having nothing but tough men in the Marine Corps. You gotta be me, Joker. So they're relaxing standards to make it easier for other types of soldiers. Sound off like you got a pair. Any military can focus on hurting their enemies, but only the American military can focus on hurt feelings. Are you shook up? Are you nervous? Woke Metal Jacket. Good night, ladies. Now playing in Washington and coming soon to a losing war near you. Don't go anywhere. Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. We'll be right back. Hey, it's Clay Travis. Join me for Outkick the Show as we dive deep into a mix of topics. New episodes available Monday to Friday on your favorite podcast platform and watch directly on outkick.com forward slash watch. 
It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Having a grown-up talk about the Brittany Griner trade. Uh, we're sending a WNBA player uh, back to America, thankfully, uh, in exchange for a man known as the Merchant of Death. During a time of war, uh, the casualty here left behind is a retired Marine by the name of Paul Whalen, who's been unjustly detained for years now. Here's Biden claiming that we haven't forgot about Paul. Here it is, clip two. We never forgot about Brittany. We've not forgotten about Paul Whalen, who's been unjustly detained in Russia for years. This was not a choice of which American to bring home. We brought home Trevor Reed when we had a chance early this year. Sadly, for totally illegitimate reasons, Russia is treating Paul's case differently than Brittany's. And while we have not yet succeeded in securing Paul's release, we are not giving up. Shut up! Will you shut up? It does. It looks weak on the world stage. You know, we haven't forgot about Paul. The reason it looks weak is if you remember Biden, his cascading uh, retreat in Afghanistan. OK, their government's going to hold not going to be a problem. OK, it collapsed within two days of him saying that we're not going to leave any Americans behind. We left 10,000 people behind. This isn't going to be like a Saigon where you see people in helicopters on embassies. Yo, people were clinging to the wheels of cargo jets. People were flinging babies over barbed wire fences in Afghanistan because anything was better than their child growing up in Afghanistan under Taliban rule. The world has seen him retreat from his word and be wrong from his word a billion times. The Paul Whalen status right now is, hey, let's hope this washes back out of the news cycle and we'll talk about it again in a couple of years. OK, I'll be thrilled if they get him home and I'll be the first one to admit I was wrong and I'll be thankful to be wrong because I don't want to be right. But when it comes to foreign policy, Joe Biden came into this gig with a reputation as being one of the worst foreign policy consultants in the history of the country. It was Robert Gates. Barack Obama's former defense secretary, who famously said in his biography, Joe Biden, God bless his heart, there's a guy who's been wrong about every major foreign policy decision of the last 40 years. Come on, man. 40 years. Okay, when the world knows you've got a president who's been bad at foreign policy for 40 years, guess what they do? They take advantage of his foreign policy. I agree with that. So, yes, you're happy she's back. But a Russian arms dealer a guy who has profited and made hundreds of millions of dollars in getting us and our allies killed around the world is worth a lot more to them than Brittany Griner is to us. I'm not saying I want her detained or I want her killed or I want anything bad to happen to her. Come on, man. Come on. We're just conversing here. The point is we have to have more leverage than that, especially as the United States of America. Remember the whole team nobody wants to play thing? Well, the team nobody wants to play is getting played on the world stage and everybody else is watching it. And yes, welcome home, Brittany. Go smoke a joint, kneel for the anthem and enjoy yourself. It's your right as an American. But I feel like when it comes to making trades for Russian arms dealers, oh, I don't know. You gotta do better than that. Rudolph the unvaxxed reindeer 
had a very shiny nose. Some people say that COVID is the reason that it glows. All of the other reindeers used to laugh at Fauci's claims. Then Biden passed a mandate. Now they can't play reindeer games. They got fired on Christmas Eve. Santa had no sleigh. Rudolph tried to save the night, but the sleigh would not take flight. Then how the children woke up with no gifts under the tree. Rudolph the unvaxxed reindeer got screwed by the CDC. Oh man, just when you thought the vaccine song parodies were gone from this show for good. <laughs> the theme in this hour, uh, there's been this overarching talk. Obviously, we got Brittany Griner back from Russia in exchange for the merchant of death, Victor Boot, the most notorious arms dealer of the last half century. Uh, we're happy for Brittany Griner and her family. I'm not going to be that guy. Oh, yeah, I hate that she bashed the country. I think she's an idiot for smog- you know, smuggling pot into Russia. Uh, but anytime you get out of a Russian prison, it's a good day, okay? Dude, I like her or her views No, but do I wish her harm? Of course not. We're not that show. Okay, the whole point of Fox Across America is every one of you, okay, are supposed to be force multipliers of positive energy. Say that every day. Be a dog with a job. Do you know when you go to the airport, you see a dog sniffing bags, he's always wagging his tail, he's always happy to be there (laughs) because he just can't believe they're counting on him to save the plane? That's why you always see me laughing on TV. That's why you always hear me laughing on the radio. I'm like a dog with a job. I can't believe they're counting on me to save this show. I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> that, that's what goes on. It's a positive energy show. But in terms of the military, the signals we're sending around the globe, they're not good ones. We're fighting a lot of the wrong battles. Okay, the big one right now happens to be the vaccine mandate. So we have a vaccine mandate, uh, you know, in the military right now for the guys who, you know, will take on bullets and bombs and anything in between. We're now telling them they can't go into battle. Okay, they can't go into battle unless they've taken a vaccine that doesn't stop transmission. This is ridiculous. Okay, and to be clear, okay, I have the vaccine in my body. I'm not like calling COVID a hoax. I'm not some anti-vax guy. Okay, but understand 58 percent of the COVID deaths in the most recent month available, 58 percent of the COVID deaths in this country were from vaccinated people. Vaccinated people comprised the majority of COVID deaths last last month. Okay, so my question to you is, does the vaccine stop transmission of COVID? The answer would be no. Of course not. What else did we find out? Okay, the CEO of Pfizer International testified to the European Parliament that they never even tested this vaccine to see if it stopped transmission. That's just how white folks will do it. Yet they forced it on us. And again, I understand. Listen, I get it's a pandemic. You're trying to help. You're trying to do what's right. But when it comes to the people that protect us from far greater risks than COVID, okay, there has to be. There has to be some latitude. You understand? You're never going to get mugged. And call 911 and be like, hey, can you send a vaccinated cop? I'm getting mugged. I wouldn't want to catch. I'd rather just continue to get mugged than maybe get exposed to a virus. I have a 99.9% chance of beating. Here's the truth. Okay, we don't even we know it doesn't stop transmission. 
But we don't even know if it helps you with your symptoms. We know, honestly, I don't know that. You want to know why I don't know that? Because they haven't given us any data. There is no study. None. Zero zip zilch. On number one, the long-term effects of this vaccine on our bodies, women's reproductive health. Okay. But two, that it's even lessening symptoms. They were basing that on statistics. Well, they were saying, well, it's, uh, you know, if you look at the data, the COVID deaths, you know, more of the people dying of COVID are unvaccinated. Well, that's not true anymore. Which means back when that was a thing, could have been purely anecdotal, could have been purely, uh, you know, coincidental. We just don't know. This is a virus you're going to beat 99.9% of the time. I know people have died of COVID. I'm not trying to minimize the virus or the suffering it's caused. But the reality is we really don't know. Like we're flying blind when it comes to the vaccines. We don't have any data. So you can't get mad at me for saying that because you don't have any data. The only thing they've ever had when it comes to the vaccine is self-righteousness. Okay, they have claimed with no data that if you were vaccinated, you couldn't get COVID. I mean, they told us for months and months that it was a pandemic of the unvaccinated. Okay, Biden talked about it at great length. Here's I'll give you four examples of him saying vaccinated people won't get COVID. Because you can't build a wall high enough to keep out a a, a, a vaccine. The vaccine can stop the spread of these diseases. And so everybody talks about freedom and not to have a to have a shot or have a test. Well, guess what? And so how about patriotism? How about making sure that you're vaccinated so you do not spread the disease to anybody else? What about that? What's the big deal? We're not in a position where we think that any virus, including the Delta virus, which is much more transmissible and more deadly in terms of non-unvaccinated people, the, vi- the, the, the various shots that people are getting now cover that. They're, they're, you're okay. You're not going to get COVID if you have these vaccinations. Continue to spread the diseases. And so we should think of in the patriotic duty, whether you're, whether you're working in a supermarket to make sure you have been vaccinated so you're not spreading anything to anyone else, or you're not likely to get the virus, whatever virus. And Delta still is the worst you were lying your ass off. Okay, vaccinated people constitute 58% of the COVID deaths in the most recent month available to us. 58%. Okay, if they accounted for 1%, it would mean the vaccine isn't stopping transmission. So the idea that we're prioritizing the vaccine, mainly because a lot of people pushing this are getting rich off of it, they're going to load it off of this. Do you remember when Fauci testified before Congress and Rand Paul said, hey, uh, are you or any of the people on the on the panel who are pushing this booster on kids making money off of it? And what did Fauci say? I don't have to tell you. He should be behind bars. I don't have to tell you. That's, you know, under the law passed in 1992, we don't have to disclose whether or not we're making a profit off the medicine we're pushing as D.C. bureaucrats. Think about what a heinous accusation that is. If someone says, hey, Are you getting rich for pushing medicine on kids that you don't know what it's going to do to them? You know, any self-respecting person, if it's not true, it's going to be like, hell no. You know, and then an expletive-laden tirade, cursing the person out. I mean, maybe punching them in the face. Seriously. Okay, you accuse someone of wrongly gambling with the lives of children. You'd expect a vociferous pushback unless, of course— The person was under oath as Fauci was and didn't want to be proven wrong for criminal penalty. Oh, wow. Don't ever forget that he testified 
I don't have to tell you when he was asked if he was making money off recommending these boosters for children. And even now, as they're forcing them on the military and we know COVID isn't a billionth the threat that the things the military encounters on a battlefield happen to be, they still continue to push it with no data. They still continue to fight the wrong battle unless it's the right battle, meaning somebody is making all kinds of cash, girlfriend. Please give us money. What it sounds like. But here is, okay, John Kirby fighting because Congress, you know, Republican-controlled House, they're pushing hard. Congress, there's a lot of support in both parties, to be fair, a good amount of support here, to repeal the vaccine mandate. Why? Because we all now know the vaccine does not stop transmission. It just doesn't. That's not me being anti-vax. I'm not being like a COVID schmovid, more like a pandemic. I'm not that guy. Come on. But the reality is the vaccine doesn't stop transmission. And people who are willing to risk their lives to defend this country are being denied the opportunity because we're telling them they've got to be vaccinated and they don't want to take that chance. So we have just missed our military recruiting goals for the first time in like 25 years. But here is Kirby, clip six. Uh, we continue to believe uh, that repealing the vaccine mandate uh, is a mistake. Uh, making sure our troops are ready to to defend this country and prepared to do so, uh, that remains the president's uh, priority. And the vaccine requirement for COVID does just that. It's, it's part and parcel of, of that effort. Republicans in Congress have obviously decided that uh, they'd rather fight against the health and well-being of those troops uh, rather than protecting them. This is the biggest schmuck I've ever met. Ah, Republicans in Congress would rather fight against the well-being of soldiers. Not even close! Yo, really think about that, man. We have no data, no data, on how this is going to affect those soldiers long-term. We have no proof it's helping anybody because you beat COVID 99.9% of the time. It's also not a vaccine. It's not a vaccine. A vaccine keeps you from getting the thing you don't want. You've never gotten out of bed. The people say, well, well, Jimmy, oh, hey, who? They mandate other vaccines in the military. Yes, they did. The measles, the mumps, Jimmy. Huh, Jimmy? I got you now. How are you going to get out of this one, Batman? I'll tell you how. Okay? Those other vaccines work. They were subject to decades, in some instances, of clinical trials before they were made mandatory. Correct the mundo. Okay, so the idea is, yes, we sign up for those vaccines because we know they've had over 10 years of testing. You know what else they haven't had? Over 10 million breakthrough cases. That is correct. They've never had 10 million breakthrough polio cases one year. 10 million breakthrough cases of the measles. We've had over 10 million people get COVID after getting vaccinated. So when you tell me, oh, with a vaccine, we're looking out, you don't care about that's clown stuff. (laughs) Okay, listen to this one. Here's Sabrina Singh. Says you get rid of the vaccine mandate, it would negatively impact force readiness. Clip seven. Generally speaking, the vaccine mandate appears to have very minimal impact on um, recruiting, and it would impact the readiness of the force. You're more prone to getting COVID-19. Again, we've seen that um, the impacts of COVID, we had... um, Millions of people die here in this country because of either not having access to the vaccine or um, not taking the vaccine. And, you know, we certainly know that the vaccine will save your life. I mean, come on. The vaccine will save 
your life. You don't have a clue. We really, we just, we really don't know that, man. And I, it's, I don't take any joy in saying that. I wanted the vaccine to work. It's in my body, dude. I'm not that person. Uh, but we don't know that it works. Like, I couldn't in good conscience get on the air and be like, no, no, it works. Don't worry. You're going to be fine. Okay? 58% of the COVID deaths last month were from vaccinated people. If the vaccine works, I got to be honest, that number's probably probably a little lower. Probably a little lower than 58%. Maybe like 51. I don't know. I mean. That's true. That is true. Come on, you guys. This is clown stuff. And the idea that we're missing our, again, our recruitment targets. We're fighting all of the wrong battles. Here's Corrine Jean-Pierre saying Republicans would rather fight against the health of our troops. So embarrassing. Clip eight. What we saw, what uh, what we think happened here is uh, Republicans in Congress have decided that they'd rather, uh, f- rather fight against the health and well-being of our troops than protecting them. And we believe that it is a mistake. What we saw, uh, what we saw happen on the NDAA as it relates to the vaccine mandate, making sure our troops are prepared and ready for service is a priority uh, for uh, President Biden. I mean, did you hear that, KJP? Really? That's the priority? That's what we're doing right now? Get her out. Get her out of here. Come on. Making sure our troops are prepared and ready for service is a priority? Okay. Let's get them weapons. Okay. Get them out there. Get them training. Get them focused on the ruthless destruction of our enemies. Okay. That's the point of war, to inflict maximum peril on the opposition. So they understand it forces a deterrent. You don't want to use it. You want them to know it is so lethal. You know, if you grew up in my area, you got hit with like a belt or a spoon by your parents. But sometimes you didn't have to because they just held up the spoon. And you're like, oh, hell, (laughs) this is, you know, you're arguing with your brother in the kitchen. Next thing you know, someone's brandishing a spoon. That can't be good. Not good. Okay. And you back down. Now. We're not holding up the spoon. We're holding up the vaccine needle. Hey, don't act up over there, Russia, because if we get some people that will take the vaccine, you're going to have a big problem on your hands. I'm telling you now, guys, it's embarrassing stuff. And I'm telling you, there's no way this ends good for any of us. What can I tell you, kid? You're right. When you're right, you're right. You're right. You're listening to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. I enjoyed it. It was an unbelievably interesting experience. And now, a reading from the pandemic-themed children's book, Oh, the Places You Won't Go, by Dr. Fauci. Congratulations! Today is your day, if you've been vaccinated. If not, there's no way. Can't take planes, Biden said. Can't take trains, walk instead. You can't steer yourself any direction you choose. You're stuck at home, and you're on your own, bro. Because you are the guy who's not vaxxed and can't go. You'll walk up and down streets, look in stores if you dare, but you can't go inside. You're not vaxxed, they don't care. Wear your mask in the rain and in snow and in sleet. You still can't hit a movie, they won't give you a seat. And you might still find many fun places in town. If you're going unvaxxed, you'll leave wearing a frown. And when spring starts to happen and winter is through, you still won't belong. You'll get kicked out then too. Oh! The places you won't go. Yep, one of them happens to be war. They're fighting in the White House right now, pushing, urging Congress to hold on to the vaccine mandate for our troops, 
even though the vaccine uh, is not stopping transmission, even though the troops face far more dire risks than COVID. And I understand it's, you know, well, we don't want a mass outbreak. You know, that's why you got to do it. If the thing goes viral, then all of a sudden you can't fight. But do we have any proof whatsoever, any, zero, zip, zilch, that the vaccine is stopping any type of transmission? The answer would be no. Again and again and again. You know the old adage, when you have the facts, pound the facts. When you got nothing, pound the table. Put up or shut up. They ain't putting up. The only thing they have when it comes to the vaccine is self-righteousness. Okay, is just shaming you. Do you remember this? Not getting vaccines. It's time to start shaming them. Because frankly, we know that we can't trust the unvaccinated. The f*** them, f*** their freedom. I want my freedom to live. No, screw your freedom. You're a schmuck for not wearing a mask. We have to stop coddling the morons who will not get the shot. Shame on you. <laughs> I mean, when you really think about that. Okay, we got to shame these people. And what are they basing that shame on other than their own sense of self-righteousness? The answer? Nothing. He's a lousy dad, but he's right. Just self-righteousness. And that's what we're doing to the troops now. Self-righteous. Well, self-righteousness and the fact that the people pushing this vaccine are making a lot of money, girlfriend. Big money. Listen, I'd love a ski home in Vail, Colorado as much as the next guy. But I don't think we should risk losing a war over whether or not I make the extra stock options to get it. It's a lot of scandalous stuff going on in D.C. these days. The swamp, swampier than ever. I'm not telling you we're going to drain it, but we'll hand out some hazmat suits in the next hour. Molly Hemingway, senior editor for The Federalist, is coming by, and you'll be here too, damn it. Don't you go anywhere. We're back after this. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Oh, girl, here we go, here we go. Big hour of Fox Across America with your radio buddy Jimmy Fallon. Top shelf broadcasting in a bottom-feeding political world. And that race picking up speed. But Molly Hemingway is going to meet us at the finish line. She's a senior editor for The Federalist. Damn good friend of this show. And she stops by to break down the latest developments involving Twitter's former owner, their current owner, and the people in the media trying to make this whole story go away. The media is a bunch of losers. They really are. But you, you're wonderful. And you happen to have phenomenal, just phenomenal taste in radio. <laughs> oh, we got a tough crowd in that booth. But uh, 888-788-9910, the phone number. This is my last show in New York this week. I'm heading down to Oklahoma City tonight. We will be at the Bricktown Comedy Club tomorrow and Saturday. If you want to come hang out, tickets for that at BricktownComedy.com. Right now, uh, a quick catch-up. On the Hunter Biden laptop story. Hunter's a dirtbag. So last night, if you, we kind of focused on this a little bit on the show yesterday. Elon Musk fired a lawyer who worked at Twitter by the name of Jim Baker. Jim Baker, who was a legal counsel for the FBI under James Comey. Okay, Jim Baker, who, as it turns out, was counsel to Twitter in 2020 when they killed the Hunter Biden laptop story to begin with. Okay, Elon Musk announced yesterday, along with Matt Taibbi, one of the two reporters he gave the Twitter files to, that after reviewing the document release, they came to find out that anything involving the FBI had been struck from the records, meaning any proof they might have had that the FBI told them to censor that story wasn't in the initial email dump. This was done by Jim Baker, Jim Baker, who worked for the FBI, who helped push the Russian collusion hoax, that Jim Baker. 
killed any mention of the FBI in the document dump. Get him out of here. Get him out. Well, that's exactly what Elon Musk did. But the reason it's significant, and it was a victory for the Democrats. I just, you know, I always tell you, I'm doing sports talk radio. I'll tell you who's winning. I'll tell you who's losing. And I'll tell you why. They have succeeded for the time being in killing off the Hunter Biden, you know, email releases in terms of what Twitter knew, what they did in the run up to the election. Because when they released those emails on Friday, there wasn't the smoking gun that connected the government to what Twitter was doing. Now we come to find out that smoking gun very well may be out there, but the FBI strategically struck it from the record. But the problem is when you cheer up and, you know, you do this, oh, well, the dump's coming. Here come the Twitter files. This is it. When you don't deliver the goods, it kind of discredits the rest of the story. guess is that it was by design, meaning Jim Baker strategically killed it because they know that getting the story out there, not having it be as potent as people had thought it would be, would minimize the political impact of the story. And that seems to have been the case. Okay, I'm not saying there won't be more email dumps coming. I'm not saying the House won't pursue this Hunter Biden laptop story to the ends of the world to find out if Biden was really getting the kickbacks as business partners say he was. Are you the big man, Joe? The answer is probably yes, and that's the bigger smoking gun here. Okay, it's, oh yeah, it'd be nice to know if the FBI was stifling, okay, the spread of this story strategically to help a candidate. It'd be worth knowing. But to be fair, I want to be very honest with you here. I can't sell you fake outrage. Okay, I, we, I don't know that that's going to happen. And I don't I don't have that proof. And I don't think if Republicans, if we're just talking about strategy, think the way back into power in the White House is to drag us down a three year Hunter Biden hole. I don't think that's a path to victory for them. I'm just talking to you strategically. You might want to nail his balls to the wall. You might not be happy to do a selling government influence. But again, at a time when, you know, 65 percent of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck. OK, your borders overrun and. You know, we've got fuel still a dollar forty higher than it was when the guy took office. Murder rates at a thirty-five year high nationally. I mean, that's what we're living in. Everything sucks in Mr. Biden's neighborhood. And if you hold that over the heads of the Democratic Party, you're probably going to be more successful at the polls than if you hold the 2020 election over the Democratic Party. That's the point I'm saying. I'm just talking to you as pure strategy. Because every time you come back to the 2020 election, you come back to Trump. And Trump is right right now, okay, he is a liability for the Republicans. Okay, you have Republican candidates like Herschel Walker losing, you know, all over the place. You know, the Dr. Razas of the world. Trump really did have a bad midterm. You know, he did. And I'm not saying it's his fault. The candidates matter. It's their race to, race to win. Mitch McConnell could have dumped a lot more money into these races. But every time you go back to 2020, you get a little further away from 2024. And that's, you know, the fool's gold of this whole Hunter Biden thing, Okay, is, yes, it really does look like he was selling influence in the government. And, yes, that is what we should be pursuing. The whole idea that someday you're going to lock up everybody at Twitter to get a pound of flesh, what does that do? It doesn't improve anybody's life. Like knowing if the president is compromised, you can go in that direction all day. I support that investigation. I want that investigation because if Biden is compromised, here's a newsflash. So are you and so am I, okay? Tell him like it is. He's the president of the United States. He's compromised. We're all compromised, okay? And we have seen a lot more information on that Hunter Biden laptop of substance than we ever did in three years of the Mueller probe. So, you know, basically what I'm trying to tell you is from a strategic standpoint, 
Okay, whether or not Twitter interfered, worth knowing. Whether or not the FBI put their thumb on the scale, worth knowing. Okay, but I don't know that we're ever going to get concrete legal proof of either. There's also the small matter that Donald Trump was in charge at the time the FBI was doing this. So when you say the government did this or the government did that, I'm just being honest with you. It wasn't Biden's government at the time. So that's where this gets a little convoluted. That's where you lose the attention and the focus of the American people. So for my money, I'm not saying let them go when it comes to Twitter, when it comes to the FBI. You can focus. But the bigger fish to fry is whether or not you have a compromised president because the guy is governing like he's compromised. Ukraine is a much bigger priority than America. We've sent them $100 billion to fight Russia at a time when, again, maybe they need that help. Maybe some of that is warranted. But is there any accounting for that money? The answer would be no. Nope. The Congressional Oversight Committee is currently trying to find a reason for the last $20 billion Venmo we sent over there because the Biden administration still hasn't given them one. Uh-oh, I'm in trouble. Okay, so you, we have just become an ATM for Ukraine, okay? A company, uh, a country who, you know, one of its own domestic power suppliers, Burisma, put Biden's son on their board despite the fact that the guy had no background in energy and didn't speak the language, they're like, we got to get this guy on the board. This will help. Why did it help? Because at the time, Joe Biden was Barack Obama's vice president. I don't remember that ever happening. But it happened. And so, yes, there is uh, a lot of smoke when it comes to the government, you know, influence peddling and everything in between. And it's worth an investigation. But as far as the Republicans and trying to get power back and trying to slow down the Democratic, you know, it is a radical expansion of our government right now. Uh, you know, I would make that the bigger focus is what I'm trying to say. And I think we're at a spot now where strategically the deep state got over because I think this Jim Baker dirtbag who made sure the first email dump wasn't as potent as they hoped it would be kind of took all the air out of the story. That's where I honestly think we find ourselves right now. Okay, there's that. The Democrats, when they're trying to weaponize something, when they're trying to weaponize scandal, when they're trying to weaponize crisis – Not only do they do it well, but they do it so well, but they can't hope they can't help themselves but to admit to it after they pull it off. Do you remember way back? uh, I believe the year was 2014 when we made the Iranian nuclear deal and we gave 50 billion dollars in cash assets to the biggest state sponsors of terrorism in the world. That's stupid. Use your common sense. But that's what we did. Barack Obama gave Iran, a country, the Iranian nuclear deal, a country that chants death to America so regularly. Like you can check in on Facebook at a death to America chant. Yeah, what are you guys doing Saturday? Oh, we were going to go see Top Gun, and then we're going to take the kids to the death to America rally. Oh, okay, no, we we had the soccer game, and then we were going to do the the afternoon death to America rally. That's who Iran is. They're the biggest state sponsor of terrorism in the world. They hate us. Barack Obama gave them $50 billion in cash assets in exchange for their word that they weren't going to enrich uranium. I don't see you doing any better in the booty department. But understand, that's all we got was their word. We did not get binding legislation that said we would have access to inspecting their facilities. We took the word of a country that wants to wipe Israel off the map, of a country that sheds death to America— And we gave them that money. 
We hooked them up, as they might say. And do you understand, after pulling that off, Ben Rhodes, who was the architect of the deal for the Obama administration, once the media was done cheering and screaming, and oh, what a good job these guys did. Journalism in this country is dead and buried. It really is. Why? Because Ben Rhodes flat out admitted after the fact, this is how we duped the media into supporting the Iranian nuclear deal. And we sold it as this domestic achievement for Obama and empowering the women and America and minorities. And the media just cheered along. And he wrote an op-ed admitting how he used the media to build enthusiasm for the bad deal. It wasn't enough that he got over on the public. He had to brag. And I bring that up because Chuck Schumer yesterday said, you know, the quiet part out loud. He admitted that January 6th is nothing but a political ploy and that it played a big part in the midterm election. It wasn't enough that they gaslit the country over January 6th, which is, of course, bad, something we all condemned in real time. I was on the air for it. I said, hey, you can't do that. But it wasn't a white supremacist attempt to overthrow the government. It was a bunch of chunky middle-aged Trump supporters who ran up the Capitol steps following one lunatic in a Chewbacca bikini. Oh, yeah. And there was about 100 feds egging them on. At least 100. Here's Chuck Schumer, though, flat out saying yesterday as they spiked the football after the final Senate race was won, saying, oh, well, you know, January 6th got it done. Clip 23. There were the January 6th hearings. I think they had an important effect because people didn't just read about something that happened once, but every night they saw on TV these hooligans, these insurrectionists mm. being violent, beating up police officers. Do you get that? Do you follow that? Every night. Every night on TV. we Chuck Schumer is a clown. Is he ever? Because it wasn't enough that they manipulated people into voting for them. Based on this fake threat to democracy, we broke every single turnout record known to man in the midterms. Democracy is safe. Okay, democracy is going to be okay. When the Democrats lose, democracy is in danger. Okay, when the Democrats win, actually, now, according to Corinne Jean-Pierre, it's still in danger. Here she is claiming that after the biggest voter turnout in the history of Georgia, there was still voter suppression. Clip 24. The president, though, called it um, Jim Crow in the 21st century and a blatant attack on the Constitution. So does he still see it that way? I'll say this. I'm not going to speak to the Department of Justice uh, legal uh, actions. That's something for them to uh, to speak to. Uh, what I can say, and uh, not not going to get into specifics of your question, but you guys, you all have reported this, that there was uh, suppression, uh, that uh, that that we saw that uh, throughout uh, through that throughout the the Georgia election. So that is something that was been reported on. So I leave it to those reports. Uh, but look, even with that, the American people came out. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. Okay, still claiming voter suppression, despite the fact that we broke all turnout records. Okay, why? Holding on to the narrative because they want to use it again in the next election. I admire your honesty. Okay, they manipulate the public. It's exactly what Chuck Schumer just did. Straight out, oh, no, January 6th, they saw the images night after night after night. It's not enough that they're gaslighting us over race and voter suppression and insurrection and threats to democracy. It's not enough for them to just get the win. They've got to get out there and spike the football because they're proud of just how full of it they are. Really, seriously. Democrats are so full of crap. 
You're listening to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. It's like it's a it's a game changer. Oh, girl, it is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Molly Hemingway is coming up, but I want to get to Ezra down in Atlanta, Georgia, really quick. Yo, Ezra. Good afternoon, Jimmy. So I had to uh, wake up this morning and ask my girlfriend if she had put LSD in my tea. Because when I heard this trade, I looked this up on the Internet. And there's 11 countries that he was supplying arms to. Mm -hmm. And he's basically the guy who supplied what people call Africa's first world war. And I went on Wiki and looked it up. It's six million one hundred and fifty thousand people are dead i did and that doesn't include you know selling a hundred surface-to-air missiles uh to the colombian farc selling missiles to kenya um terrorists who brought down israeli airliners and all that it's just unbelievable yeah so, and- have i gone mad or what no yeah i mean it, this is the thing man it's like you want to get Americans back, but you feel like we'd have a little more leverage given what he's worth to them, especially at a time of war, knowing we also have, you know, Marines that are being held by them. It very much reads like this was a publicity priority for the Biden administration, because obviously, Absolutely. yeah. And that's Absolutely. the part that sends such a bad message back to the troops, number one, but it also sends a bad message to the rest of the world, because what they're really saying is their priority is public relations. You see, once the once your enemy no, you've got a you've got an empty suit in the Oval Office, a guy that's more concerned with his well-being than ever, anything else. Like, you know, that's what Afghanistan begat. You know, Biden was so busy trying to cover his own ass, selling the Afghan withdrawal as a success, even after the world watched it collapse and watched all of our you know allies get left behind yep. that we are. We're yep. getting rolled now. And the dude is bad. It's not again. We did. This is not like a, a guy who hit 260 with four home runs. OK, this is their number. This is their number three hitter, if not out their cleanup hitter well did you see his speech in the uh the nano i mean the minnow factory yesterday or yeah, day oh before yesterday gracious it's sh- just pitiful it's just pitiful yeah so anyway carry on brother you get it my Keep man fired up and listening all right tell atlanta congratulations on fred mcgriff making the hall of fame that was a big win for them so there you go uh, well i didn't what? i did go to herschel's uh you know, oh, uh, rally. Did you I give him back the role? Him, but I, well, I threw one at him. No, just <laughs> <laughs> You're the guy. Yeah, we've been looking for you. Good stuff, Ezra. Thanks, brother. There he goes, the great Ezra. But yeah, when you, if you do the work on this, because I am always, I'm giving you stories. I'm not, it's not a very wonky show. You know, I got a lot of OTR truckers that listen to me all over the country. I'm trying to keep these guys awake. When you get wonky, you start reading them policy and procedure. <sighs> You know, and you look at the guy, and the next thing you know, they But if you really wanted to get wonky and dive into the particulars of this dirtbag, okay, the merchant of death was in the middle of serving a 25-year sentence, okay, in federal prison after he was convicted of conspiracy to kill Americans in relation to his support of a Colombian terrorist organization. He is the guy that inspired the Nicolas Cage movie, Lord of War. Okay, so you understand, this is a bad dude. Yeah, it's nice that Brittany Griner came home, but it's not a great trade. It's not a great trade. Okay, I'm happy she's, she's home, and I'm not going to bash her, although she'd be the first person to bash America. You know, the hope is now she gets it. Shut up. If you live here, you hit the lottery. 
Okay, believe me. You get caught smoking a joint in America. You get caught doing drugs in America. They're not throwing you in jail till we can trade you for a Russian arms dealer. Hell. You get caught doing drugs in America. They'll make your dad president of the United States. <laughs> they'll even cover up all the nude photos of yourself you have on your laptop after that. What the hell is the world coming to? I do not know, but Molly Hemingway will tell us next. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon, fired up to talk to this next guest. Not only a senior editor at The Federalist, a Fox News contributor, but I have it on good authority. She happens to be on a bit of a hot streak on Wordle right now. Molly Hemingway is here. Molly. I only mentioned the Wordle because The New York Times is doing this, that the employees are doing a strike. They're toiling today and they said don't do wordle and i was like i'm gonna mention that i do wordle. <laughs> and also i had to brag because normally it takes me like four or five or six turns and i got it in two the other day whoa Wait, Molly. It, yeah so I'm, I'm pretty impressive no i listen spike that football i'm not even on wordle like i i have i have eaten so much this holiday season i'm on girdle you know what i'm saying <laughs> <laughs> I'm, a, I'm about 12 pounds from wordle you know i i'm gonna need some time right. on that girlfriend but by the way right. really quick because i want to talk about that one of the things in that times boycott okay when they wrote their little manifesto i had to cover this on america's newsroom a few weeks back what they were whining about specifically was like well you know one of the issues was returning to the office and how inflation was going to unfairly you know affect them and their livelihoods i'm like dude if you were concerned about inflation i don't know maybe cover it in the last two years Right, or not celebrate the all the legislation that increased inflation, or yeah, understand that we've all been going through this for a while. Those, yeah. Anyway, it, uh. you get it. I know. I don't want to get you fired up. We only have one dumb button. We, you know, there's only so many expletives <laughs> we can bleep out for you, Molly. Um, right. There's there's so much to do since we last spoke. Uh, quite eloquently, I might add, on Kennedy's show. Uh, we had I a, just loved that. Oh, you're the coolest. Because can I tell you, we did not love it at first because there was a second delay. And we had oh. such a debaucherous A block before you came on that when I said hello to you and it took like two seconds for you to say it back, everyone on the panel died laughing They're that like- you were like trying to get out of the hit. <laughs> yeah. No, I did. I, I watched the panel. It was really fun. You're hilarious. Oh. And then I go on and I'm just so serious and it makes me like I don't know another mode. No, stop it. You crush on this show. What do you mean? Your ratings. Wait, I also go ahead. I have to tell you, the next night I was over at Fox and someone in the green room looks at a picture of the Greg Gutfeld show, I think it was. Well, there was Greg Gutfeld and you in a picture together. Mm -hmm. And this woman says, he is so funny. And I said, I was thinking she was talking about Greg. So I go, they both are. And she goes, oh, I was talking about Jimmy. (laughs) Oh, Gutfeld, take that. Get him on the horn. I know where to find him. Let's 917. I'm kidding. (laughs) Molly Hemingway on the line starting a comedy civil war, which worked right. up enough. That's what I'm going for. Yeah. Come on, Molly. Whose side are you on here? No, we had a good time on Gutfeld. I am uh, – this is the problem. I like these Western shirts. I wear them. But I look like a children's magician who shouldn't be around children. That's the problem. Like, they work. They kind of work on TV, Jimmy, but when I walk around off the air, it's a little dicey. 
Are you wearing these because of your peewee obsession, or <laughs> is there some other reason? No, she got me. No one has. Do you know you're the only person who would ask that? Like, it's it's a weird thing. Oh. It kind of does take me back to the Alamo, you know? Somebody asked me that here the other day. Oh, it was Geraldo. This is the greatest story ever. It's the greatest Geraldo story, man. I mean, there's a lot of Geraldo stories. They're all wacky. But Geraldo, uh, Kennedy had made a reference to Pee-wee's Big Adventure. She's like, yeah, you know, if I could have one movie artifact, I would want the bicycle from Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Mm-hmm. To, which, to, to which I replied in the moment, in the full spirit of Pee-wee, I said, well, you're out of luck because it's at the Alamo in the basement, you know, the crux yeah. of the movie. To yeah. which Geraldo replies, Alamo in San Antonio? And I'm like, yo, Geraldo, <laughs> how many other Alamos? Like, I know you've been around. You've seen things I haven't seen. Is there like a third Alamo or a second? I didn't know Alamo got a season two, Molly. It's unbelievable. Also, he did he not know there was no basement? Or... <laughs> no, no, he didn't know. He was dead serious. Like, the Alamo. He did, the basement may, was of no significance to him. Geraldo was too busy boating around America uh, to know that Pee Wee lost his bicycle. As apparently, that's the real takeaway, is it not? Yeah, I think that's that's what's really important. And I do want to also say about Western shirts that I recently saw this really great Western shirt on a woman, and I was wearing my Western shirt, and so we were we were talking about it, and hers was like very fancy designer brand, and she asked me where I got mine, and I was like, at my county fair back in Colorado, you know, just from a from a anyway. I bought mine from the guy who sold me the deep fried Twinkie. Exactly. Anyway. Well, let's talk about this. Okay, we're trading fashion tips really quickly. Uh, The Brittany Griner trade. Obviously, you know, all right, we get we get back in America. That's supposed to be a good thing. She's not exactly the hugest fan of America. And I do feel like the merchant of death probably means more to Russia during a time of war than a WNBA player ever will to us. No. Or, yeah, maybe. I don't know. It's just amazing. We have had a history of this now. It reminds me of the prisoner swap for Bo Bergdahl that we did um, during the Obama administration where we gave up like five key terrorists who went on to do global terror. And, yes, we've gotten Brittany Griner, which is great. It's always good to get an American. And in exchange, we've given up a global arms merchant, like an agent of death who's going to go out and commit much more worldwide destruction. It seems – that if we were going to give up this very highly valued prisoner asset, we should have gotten all of the Americans that the Russians are holding who are being held under similar crimes. Like there is the former Marine who was discharged, um, who had the very same charge that Brittany Griner did from the same airport. You know, they both had small amounts of uh, drugs. Why, why did we not at least demand getting both of them out? And really like much more. We should have demanded more, but. It's crazy. We're talking to Molly Hemingway, senior editor at The Federalist. Uh, the, the other thing that I take away from this is, you know, you talk about this, the guys we swap for Bowie Bergdahl coming back to attack us. I, I, I do not doubt for a second this is going to cost us another $20 billion in Ukraine because a, a month from now they're going to be like, wow, Russia's getting all these good weapons again. We, we probably need some more money. Does this end with us Venmoing Zelensky another $10 billion? Oh, my gosh. I, that's exactly what everyone I've been talking to says. Like, we yeah. know this is going to come back and bite us in Ukraine. We are in a proxy war with Russia. Not that anyone voted on it or mm-hmm. necessarily even approves of it right now over Ukraine. And in the midst of this war that they're asking American taxpayers to spend tens of billions of dollars every three months to finance, they do something as stupid as this that could have real consequences 
for the fighting forces in Ukraine. It's It really is like psychotic because there are so many contradictions to this whole approach to Ukraine. I mean, we keep getting told it's, you know, it's the root of all economic evil here, which makes me think we should be doing more to end it there. But instead, we've just subsidized it into oblivion. It's really it is really it's madness. But I wanted to throw one more thing at you because we kind of started this conversation on Kennedy the other night when we were doing that live TV together. Um it almost feels like the laptop emails out of Twitter kind of got deep stated by Jim Baker in that they blunted the impact of the initial release, which I think is allowing a lot of the media that suppressed the story the first time around to demonstrate that same indifference the second time. And I say that because I do believe if they you know, wind up showcasing more emails, I don't know that anybody's going to pick it up and run with it. Do you? Well, the corporate media who are really just propagandists will mm-hmm. use any excuse they have for why they're not going to cover something. So I sort of almost don't think it matters Mm -hmm. what is released, how explosive it is. They're not going to cover it. The New York Times was involved in the suppression of this story. The Washington Post was involved. They never admit when they're wrong. They never take responsibility for what they've done. But we still need to know. I mean, I am fascinated about James Baker, this former, you know, corrupt FBI official who was completely implicated in the Russia collusion hoax. You know, he's very close with one of the journalists who ended up breaking the news before the election about the Russia collusion hoax. He was involved in getting Michael Sussman's information into the FBI Bureau. And then he resigned quietly as they were sort of closing in on a leak investigation. He runs to Twitter and then we learn he's involved in suppressing the you know, release of information about the role the government played in the suppression of the, the uh, Hunter Biden story. This is really like it's just amazing how few actors can commit such major problems or have such major problems for the country. And so I am glad we learned about this. I am excited to see what information he was suppressing. Um, but they were the the corrupt media would use any excuse to hide what's yeah, actually they're, happening. They're not coming through. Like we've gotten to the I was saying this the other night on the show, we've gotten to the shaggy phase of defense. Do you there was an old <laughs> reggae song where Shaggy gets caught red handed with a woman and he just says it wasn't me. Uh, they're just mm-hmm. flat out pulling a shaggy now. It's like you've, you could report anything. Here's a picture of Hunter. Here's Joe with the business partner. We're down to it, it wasn't me. It's It really is. It's fascinating because I think a lot of people are okay with this because the country, we're living in like such a hyper-partisan time that I don't think anybody could argue that people root for their party harder than they root for the country. And, you know, that comes really at the expense of the country. Like the quality of everything has gone downhill right now. Like America is, you know, the, the shining city on the hill is now an HGTV home at the moment where there's like a couple that could flip this house and make some money off it in the neighborhood. And I believe that's just a byproduct of how we do politics now. Do you think I mean, I blame that on social media, but do you think there's a world in the digital age where America could ever play team ball again? Because that's my bigger takeaway from all of this is there's just we're living in so many different Americas now. I mean, I have to think there's a way past what we're doing mm-hmm. back to a unified country. But you can't have it so long as you embrace all these things that have been destructive of our national cohesion. Mm-hmm. You, know, you can't teach every young person to hate their country, to hate each other, and then expect there to be any kind of cohesive or national or unifying message. Uh, but as it gets more and more ridiculous what the left is doing, I do think you're seeing a little bit of a reaction Um but I don't know. I mean, it's it's hard also, like, when you actually do have a problem with what your country is doing, when yeah. you do think that their political 
the political majority is just really egregiously bad in how they handle foreign policy, what they're doing in other countries, how they're handling domestic policy. It is hard, but it, or it's more difficult to have that kind of excitement. Like I'm old enough to have lived through the 1980s, which were awesome Amazing. on that score. You know, you were taking on and defeating the Soviets. You were doing, you had a competent military that understood its job was to win wars. And like you had enough good military generals that they actually wanted to win wars. Rather, I saw the secretary of the army today was like, first of all, it's a lady, which I'm not even going to get into. And then second of all, she said she didn't know what it means to be woke, but she just does want like her overarching issue to be that people feel included at the army. Oh, and I'm like, I want my army to just know how to break things and kill people <laughs> and win wars. I don't want people to feel included. Not at all. And here's the thing, and this is, goes back to the beginning of time. There's never going to be room for discrimination on a battlefield. No one's ever going to say, cover me, I'm going in, but not you people. You know what I'm saying? So so war, I think, eliminates any of the things they're trying to fight for. And the idea that hurt feelings should be a bigger priority than hurting people is what really does scare me about the military. So I'm with you there. And I was there in the 80s, as you know, along with Madam Ruby and Pee Wee and everybody else. But I shift to pop culture really quickly because you have been a staunch defender of Meghan Markle at every turn. And I want to <laughs> lie. I'm kidding. Molly I thought we you. should have traded I thought we should have traded Meghan Markle for Brittany Griner. <laughs> That's a tweet. So, Where is that tweet, Molly? I'm in the feed. I'm reading about Wordle. I'm not reading about Meghan Markle. That's a killer tweet, by the way. Um, but I wanted to ask you this. Um, at a time when 65% of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck, has there ever been a bigger tone-deaf idiot than members or ex-members or satellite members of a monarchy that want the world to feel bad for them? I... I think it really does speak to how in our culture we only know how to teach young women to be victims, that you could literally be a princess, which is like the, you know, the dream of so many young women, and still call yourself a victim after, <laughs> by the way, only like a couple years in that royal family. A lot of us have been in families for a much longer period of time than that, where you know you uh -huh. have to endure or you have issues going on. She couldn't even handle two years of being like highly paid and being beloved. No, nope. uh, it's just amazing. Well, the good news is now that Jennifer Lawrence broke the barrier for female action heroes, maybe she can play <laughs> the lead in a movie. Like I just, I can't, man. I can't. Uh, yeah, have some, have some knowledge of cinematic history, please. Well, you want to know what it is? That really does speak to. I was just telling Harris this. It really speaks to how self-absorbed Hollywood actresses are. That there were female action heroes who put out movies like the year before, two years, like Uma Thurman. You know, had another. Kill Bill out the year before the Hunger Games. There was all of the Tomb Raider stuff coming out of Angelina Jolie. Like, so I'm talking about specifically in that era, like two years ahead of her, three years ahead of her. But none of that mattered to her because she's that self-absorbed. But I also think part of this is back to what you said mm -hmm. earlier. Victimhood is currency. Uh, you know, trauma is currency. And, you know, fighting oppression is currency. So I think in Hollywood... They definitely slant everything towards I'm breaking some kind of barrier because it makes them feel like their work is more is more important than it is. You know, because in theory, well, what are you you're getting paid to play dress up? Yeah, although I also do think I watch a lot of film and it is weird how female roles have gotten more and more boring the more feminist we've become. Like mm -hmm. you watch movies from the 30s, 40s, 50s. You have like some pretty interesting, complex, nuanced female mm -hmm. figures. And even, you know, in the 60s and 70s. And then, like, the last couple of decades, it hasn't been great roles for women. And I don't know if they 
if they think about why that is and how as things get more woke and as people get more feministy, it gets less interesting for women. No, it's weird. I mean, I did just watch the Lindsay Lohan Christmas movie and that was not a great role, but also not well acted. No, it's uh, so you're saying it's going to lose the Oscar to cocaine bear. I I do want to see Cocaine oh, Bear, Molly, and I'm not ashamed about it. Mo- Molly, I would go with you to see Cocaine Bear. We should organize a Fox outing. Like we've we've <laughs> we talk so much about movies. I would I want to see Cocaine Bear, uh, and like you, I am not ashamed. I think it's gonna I think it's actually gonna be amazing. But my question to you is, how much cocaine do you think you have to be on to confidently walk into a boardroom and pitch them Cocaine Bear? Yes, <laughs> I mean. I do believe now that you've said it, that that is exactly how the pitch happened. Like some cocaine-addled guys were like, wouldn't it be funny if this were our pitch? Also, you know how it's like sort of based on a true story. There was like a drug smuggler who dropped some cocaine or whatever. So I love how it like gets so far afield from the original story, but I like it. I like the absurd (laughs) idea. I commend the coke-addled men or whoever who pitched it we're all going to benefit <laughs> I, I myself am holding out for heroin deer but uh, I'll, I'll give it a go <laughs> uh, Molly you're just the coolest thanks for this pal thank you see you soon bud there she goes the great Molly Hemingway I miss her already I'm going to try not to get emotional quick break we're back after this you're listening to the show that Standard & Poor describes as Standard & Poor. I would say he's incompetent, but I don't want to do that because that's not nice. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. It is Fox Across America with your radio buddy, Jimmy Fallon. A sharp-dressed man, if ever there was one. Stop it. Just got off the TV with Harris Faulkner. It's looking good. Last night I was on with Sean Hannity. If you didn't see it, it's on the Fox Across America Facebook page. It's a funny one. The it's so This is bananas, man. Um, somebody at the Washington Post wrote an article claiming that the people, the people on Shark Week are too white. There's too many white people. That's what they said. It's Shark Week. Well, you got, you know, it's Shark Week. Every time I turn it on, I see so many white people. Such an idiot. I mean, yo, nobody is looking at the people. The show is called Shark Week. <laughs> it's, nobody's tuning in for the people. You can do what you want with it. But the point is, Hannity brought me on to discuss the story, and we just laughed our asses off. In front of two million people, like there were a couple of moments where I was just laughing so hard at the intro, like it looked like we were on like giggling gas, like nitrous gas or something, which I can assure you <laughs> was not an option. We were in separate studios. Uh, we were just high on life, but it's good TV. And I was obviously honored to be a part of it. Check it out if you didn't get a chance and don't go anywhere. Brian Brenberg, Econ Wiz, stops by to discuss the business model of victimhood when we come back. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Oh, here we go, here we go. Coming to you live from the greatest country in the world, broadcasting from the tippy top of the world-famous Fox News headquarters in New York City. We are lacing them up for a track meet in this hour of Fox Across America with your radio buddy Jimmy Fallon. Brian Brenberg is going to be here. He is, of course, an econ professor at the King's College, a Fox News contributor, 
uh, a bit of a sports fan, so he will weigh in on some goings-on in Major League Baseball. And, of course, this big blockbuster trade. We just sent Brittany Griner of the WNBA back to America in return for the Russian Merchant of Death. He, of course, the only member of that trade who can actually shoot. But stick with me. Uh, we're also going to talk, because Brenberg is an econ guy, about the business of victimhood. This is something we started with yesterday when we were talking about Prince Harry and Meghan Markle. And there's a little bit more of that spilling into today's news cycle because Jennifer Lawrence, you know, she's won Oscars, she's made a bazillion dollars, was trying to peddle a little more victimhood, a little more women are oppressed in Hollywood and made the claim during an interview yesterday that she was the first female action hero when she made The Hunger Games. I mean, I listen, I'm not even like a cinema buff, but Uma Thurman and Demi Moore, certainly Angelina Jolie. I know there's a lot of Sigourney Weaver fans out there from the Alien series. If you go back far enough, you probably know Pam Greer. There's plenty of female action heroes. Okay, Gail Godot comes to mind of late, made a bazillion dollars in the Wonder Woman franchise. Although, <laughs> do you want to link and fail a joke really quick? Lincoln Fowler likes to say, you know, he does this impersonation of an old man where he's like, when I was a kid, we had Wonder Woman. Now, in this day and age, you got to wonder if it's really a woman. <laughs> That's a Lincoln. <laughs> That's a Lincoln Fowler joke. But uh, Wonder Woman making big money at the block o- blockbuster money at the box office. I think that is the sentence I was trying to complete right there in that moment. Do you speak in English? Really, though? But the, the language of victimhood is the one that's constantly being spoken now by the most spectacularly prosperous people in our society. Okay, so Jennifer Lawrence, let me tell you what's going on here. It's a twofold thing in Hollywood. One is they like to celebrate trauma in Hollywood because it's become like this little branding exercise where, oh, you demonstrated some vulnerability. Oh, that was so brave of you to take on that role. Yo, there is nothing brave about signing a $20 million paycheck to go play pretend. Nothing brave about it. That's true. That is true. Okay. When she signed on to play the Hunger Games, it was not brave. It was not courageous. You were making $22 million. Okay. I will demonstrate that bravery any day of the week, 365 days a year. But there's a twofold thing going on here. Everyone is always, always in Hollywood trying to repurpose their work as being more meaningful than it is because they feel like a legitimate sense of guilt for how fortunate they happen to be. And I can tell you I experienced this in my position. I was a cab driver, man. It took me 20 years to get to where I am here. I mean, I was only a full-time cab driver for about six years, but, you know, licensed for about seven And then the renewal process got a little dicey, given my record. But the point is, uh, to get from a place where I not only didn't have money in the bank, but I didn't have a bank, to where I am now, which is, you know, I'm on TV every day on the biggest channel in the world. I'm on the radio. This is very exciting. But it's, you know, I'll never lose touch with the version of me that just really had nothing. And when you even if, you know, you worked your way up, you got here, you put in the 20 years of life and struggle and everything else to get here. And I had a damn good time doing it. That's why it took so long. I was having too much fun being poor. We're still a good time. Again, you're not in the money business. You're in the happiness business. Find little things you enjoy. 
Okay, you don't have any money? Learn how to cook. You can cook cheap food. You don't need fancy food. You can cook. I'll teach you all kinds of ghetto recipes that you love. Okay, it's what I did for all this time I spent struggling as a comic and a cab driver. Uh, but the point is, there's always things in the day you can go love that don't cost you anything. You know, your music, you throw on the air, whatever you do. Okay, but the point is, okay, having gotten from there to here, I always feel a survivor's guilt. And anybody who drives me anywhere, it's a cab driver, or when you get off TV, you know, they'll send you home in a big fancy SUV like you're a star. I mean, it's hilarious, okay? I feel such a sense of survivor's guilt that I am tipping these drivers to the point that they think I'm romantically interested in them. They're like lit, like waiting outside my house with a bottle of wine. Like, I thought we had something, Jim. You, you gave me all that money. I, I literally... It's embarrassing. I feel bad, but I'll never get over it. Like, I frequently call Jenny, like, ah, I just got done with Hannity. You know, how much money you got on you? I'm getting dropped off. I don't have that much on me. I, I'm giving them everything, okay? And I'm not saying that to win any type of Man of the Year award because I am the most flawed human being I've ever met. Oh, God, what a mess I am. But the truth is I feel some sense of survivor's guilt, so I'm always trying to give back to the people in that similar profession that I worked my way up from. Okay, when you're in Hollywood and you're literally making $25 million a year, I don't doubt that there are some decent people out there that feel guilty about it because how lucky are you to have hit that genetic lottery that enabled you to make that money? Because understand, people in Hollywood are famous because of their looks. They're not famous for anything else. They're not famous because of their brains. They're not famous because of their talent. They're famous because of their looks. They hit the genetic lottery. Okay, if you're a Hollywood movie star, you are so good-looking that people are willing to pay $22 a popcorn to watch you recite the words that were written by an ugly person. Okay, I know. I've been in a lot of writer's rooms. Okay, you think about Matthew McConaughey. He is so good-looking. Okay, they will pay him to just talk to himself in like a Buick commercial, like a Cadillac commercial, whatever the hell happens to Just get in the car, talk to yourself. Any script? No, no just let him ramble. Just let him drive around and ramble. women will look at him and, Honey, we got to get one of those! And it works. They're not even scripts. Just a guy driving around babbling to himself. And you got to be careful, Matthew McConaughey, because if you spend all day babbling to yourself in this day and age, they'll make you president. You know, the rapidly rising uh, um, uh, in with, uh, with uh, I don't know. Uh, okay, the biggest actors among us, okay, the biggest ones, they're, you know, they're Hollywood handsome. They're movie stars. They hit the genetic lottery. These are not smart people. So when Jennifer Lawrence opened her mouth and started selling that currency of victimhood, well, I was, you know, up against it when I made the Hunger Games because we'd never had a female protagonist in a film. Dude, again, that's like saying we've never had a pot smoker in a reggae band. Yes, we have, Jennifer Lawrence. Yes, we have. But here it is, clip 40. I remember when I was doing Hunger Games, nobody had ever put a woman in the lead of an action movie because it wouldn't work. (laughs) We were told. Girls and boys can both identify with a male lead, but yes. boys cannot identify with a female lead. Oh, absolutely. And it just makes me so happy every single time I see a movie come out that just blows through every single one of those beliefs and proves that it is just a lie yeah. to keep certain people out of the movies, to keep certain people in the same positions that they've always been in. And it's just yeah. amazing to watch it happen and watch you at the helm. I mean, that was absolutely dreadful. Okay, she got such a clap back on Twitter that the New York Times actually published, excuse me, Time Magazine actually published a piece called The Evolution of the Female Action Hero and listed close to 
75 rolls that occurred before she went out and made the Hunger Games. What an idiot. But why did she try peddling that? Why did she try to act like she was some barrier breaker? She's the Jackie Robinson of female action heroes. She broke down some color barrier, some gender barrier. Why? Because in Hollywood, they want to make their movie, they want to make their their work more meaningful than it is. So they'll always fight some fake form of oppression all day. When there was real oppression, like Harvey Weinstein, like actually raping women, they all got along to get along because they didn't want the blowback of losing roles. And then once he found himself in the legal crosshairs and it was safe to speak up, all the people who handed the guy a dozen Oscars and kept quiet about his shenanigans for 20 years started moralizing about the sticking up for women and breaking barriers and look at me in the Hunger Games. And that's what went on. Celebrities... Again, specifically Hollywood celebrities, these are stupid people. These are stupid people that if they weren't born gorgeous would be doing God knows what. I I couldn't even tell you what they'd be doing. Uh, But they peddle victimhood. They peddle a fake oppression because they've gotten into this business model of making poor people feel bad for rich people. It's very Harry and Meghan. Remember we talked about Prince Harry and Meghan Markle yesterday? They're literally royals, like royalty. People go to Disney World, pay $1,300 for their daughter to pretend to be a princess for an hour. You get a tiara, we get a little makeover, you put on the costume, we take a bunch of pictures in front of Cinderella's castle. Mickey comes out, gives you a fist bump, and then... Get her out. Get her out of here. Literally, pick your kid up and punt it. Like it's Ray Guy trying to corner kick a punt on 4th and 11. (laughs) You just... You get an hour to pretend you're a princess, and then Mickey just comes up. You were there at an hour and one minute. Like, you're going to hear it from Mickey. So, I guess we have some issues. Just punt you right out of there. And then smack whoever was in charge of getting you out of here and be like, All right, now, get out there and make me some good money. That's it. All business. All the time. Okay? But understand, people like Meghan Markle and Prince Harry, people like Jennifer Lawrence, they want you to believe. What do they have in common? Spectacular prosperity. Rich beyond all believable bounds. Your wildest imagination. Like, I, you can't even fathom how, how insane their lives are. Like, I can tell you this. I'm, I'm on TV, man. I go to, like, really wild stuff. They fly you down. They pick you up in a big SUV. There's makeup people. There's wardrobe people. Like, it's really fancy with what I'm doing. And I got to tell you something. It is Nothing. And I mean nothing compared to what they're doing as Hollywood movie stars. Like those people are cruise ships. Okay. I am the Somali pirate in Captain Phillips compared to a Hollywood movie star. (laughs) I might have more talent. Like I am the captain now. But in terms of like panache and quality of life. Oh, man. There is no comparison. But you'd rather be me than be them because I have the self-awareness to know my good fortune, to be gra- you know, grateful for it, to try and share it with other people in any way I can. What they're doing is trying to peddle some type of ridiculous victimhood. So you continue to feel bad for them and support their films like you're just giving a little fella a break. You know, it was like, do you remember when Meghan Markle did that interview with Oprah in Gail King's backyard? Oprah is an actual billionaire at the time. Meghan Markle is royalty. She's a duchess. Okay, her father-in-law happens to be the king of England. If she gets into a pinch, it's not call your dad, it's call the king. 
Okay, they're doing okay. But they still continue to try to sell people victimhood because in this day and age, it pays. There has never been a dumber time to be alive than the one we're living in right now. And these celebrities are so self-absorbed, they don't hear themselves. Like, do you understand when Jennifer Lawrence says, no, we've never had a female action hero. Okay, she's saying that within a year of a Uma Thurman blockbuster coming out. She's saying that within, I think, two years of an Angelina Jolie blockbuster. I mean, monster films. Angelina Jolie's one of the biggest movie stars ever. But she still gets out there and we're going to keep fighting and we're going to keep pushing because people aren't comfortable. And until they are, yo, that's not actually happening, though. That's the problem is everybody's fighting straw man arguments. All fake racism and white supremacy. Nobody cares. Do you understand? The key to bigotry, the key to ending misogyny, okay, was integrating society. Once everybody in society lived amongst each other, we realized we were all just people, not black people, not Asian people, not white people, not Muslim people, just people getting past male and female. Any type of bigotry, every, any type of, you know, phobia is born in ignorance. People don't understand something. They fear it. They hate it as a result of that fear. Once we fully integrated society, once we fully integrated the workforce, everybody just started to live amongst each other and realized we all had the same needs, okay? At the end of the day, we all want to make a couple of bucks, have a couple of laughs, keep ourselves and our families safe, okay? Watch a couple of good films, travel, get some good food into our tummies, and yeah, maybe at the end of the night, get a little something-something in the sack. Oh, yes. I've read about that in the Bible. But the only people amongst us who are truly different are Hollywood celebrities because they're living such a life of spectacular prosperity. They think the only way to seem relatable is to tell you they're oppressed or they're facing some type of indignity. But it's laughable on its face coming from somebody who is just living. I mean, again, you talk about the 1%. They are the one point, you know, zero, 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 one percent. But they want you to feel bad for them because on some level, I'm telling you, there's this guilt inside of them. That's like, my God, how did me of all the dopey people get lucky, get so lucky that I'm pretending to be a fake superhero for twenty two million dollars a year? That's what's going on. Okay, Uh, there's a part of them that's a decent person that feels guilty. And then there's just this other part of them that's a tone deaf idiot. And I'm out here in the real world and I know what's right or wrong or bullshit. The critics have spoken. You snotty little bastard. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. changed there's a hierarchy of the family you know there's leaking but there's also planting of stories there was a war against megan to suit other people's agendas it's about hatred it's about race it's a dirty game the pain and suffering of women marrying into this institution this feeding frenzy i realized they're never going to protect you 
I was terrified. I didn't want history to repeat itself. So that's Prince Harry and Meghan Markle. That's the trailer for the special that's out now. I've been devoting a lot of time to this because there were people listening to this show. Most of you get it. Okay, America is a place you bust your ass, you make a good life for yourself. Uh, You don't want anybody to hand you anything. These two people have been handed everything. And they still want you to feel bad for them. It's embarrassing. And it's a mindset like we just have to break out of as a country if we're going to get back to where we want to be. You know, because this whole, this is the whole dichotomy. It's victorhood or victimhood. Victorhood, you can do it. Get out there, work. It's America. Anybody can be anything. Let's go. Victimhood is, oh, we're oppressed. It's so hard. Maybe somebody can give us a check from the government. And Listen, the government should be there to help those who can't help themselves. But the idea that we are teaching able-bodied people to not go hard is so infuriating to me. You know, Jenny has spent most of her adult life teaching really disabled kids who cannot do for themselves. And you really appreciate your good fortune and just being blessed with the ability to move freely when you spend enough time around that sort of thing. And I can't tell you how much it infuriates me. Like, and I get, you know... There are people out there with substance issues and everything in between. There are people who are able-bodied but still unable to provide for themselves. I am mindful of that, and you want to help people who can't help themselves. But the reality now is we are using symbols of unlimited prosperity to sell people oppression, and it's embarrassing, and it's taking us backwards as a country. Like, yo, you're a prince and a princess, Okay, if you can't make do, what hope is there for the rest of us? Oh, that's right. There's plenty of hope for us because the two of you are totally full of. Meghan Markle and Prince Harry are stressed out from their busy lives of flying around in private jets, eating five star meals and getting six handed massages. It's a very real thing to be going through behind the scenes. You can help take the edge off by donating to the Royal Relief Fund. I never thought that this would be easy, but I thought it would be fair. The Royal Relief Fund is your chance to help whiny, entitled do-nothings survive their woe-is-me charade of a life. It's not enough to just survive something. Like, that's not the point of life. For just $283,000 a day, you can give a British royal things they desperately need to survive, like 30 assistants five personal chefs, and a string quartet to serenade them while they poop. Because not many people have asked if I'm okay. The Royal Relief Fund, connecting gullible fools like you with self-important clowns like them for over five years. Won't you reach out and donate, brother, (laughs) to the Royal Relief Fund? People are suffering, I say, in the private jets. Joining us now, a man who has just cut a massive check to the Royal Relief Fund. A professor of economics at the King's College. We might want to look into that credential. You gotta, you gotta warn me before you do things like this because I'm just, I'm, I'm like blubbering right now. I can't even imagine how they can go on. And here I am having to talk about real news when you've got that kind of suffering in the world. <laughs> Where's that the justice? Suffering. Brian Brenberg is here, Fox News contributor, and he has a heart. I mean, it's, it's not easy. You think about that. No, I mean, look. They, you get up in the morning and you know there's food in the cupboard. Yeah. You go to your drawer and you know there's a thousand off- yeah. outfits. You know that there's five cars in the fleet waiting for you. I mean, how do you live that way? I, I don't get it's it. It's very hard to have that kind of certainty about <laughs> a wonderful, comfortable life, isn't it? You know, Who can live with that kind of certainty? You guys, you guys are judging Harry and Meghan, but you've never had to fly private. 
your whole adult life. No. You, you haven't. Put yourself in their position between the massages and the two naps a day and the people asking you what you want and giving exactly, <laughs> you know, most of us thrive in life by getting like half of what we ask for. They get all of it. And it's just very disconcerting. <laughs> you know, like, you know, if you order food at a restaurant, we're the kind of guys where if it's not the right way, we're still not sending it back because we don't want it to get like spit on or something. No. If their food doesn't come out the right way, the chef actually gets executed. They like, it's like, it's so hard. And Brenberg, so we talked about this the other night on Kennedy, and I just it, this business model of rich people getting poor people to feel bad for them. It is a thing. It's a thing. It, it, what's so weird is there's an audience for it. Yes, like there are. No offense if you're out there, but uh-huh. I mean, what are you doing? <laughs> they, they they're smart enough to figure out there's an audience yes. for this. You know what? There are people out there who feel. Bad for us. Can yeah. you believe it? This is Let's amazing. milk them for all they've got. Folks, they came up with that idea in the back of a limo that had a hot tub in it. <laughs> <laughs> like, yo, what, if, what if we tell them things are bad? Wait, try this one. Try this one. What if we <laughs> pretended we're so well off that people felt bad for us? Could it work? I don't know. Let's call Netflix and see. Netflix was like, yeah, let's do this. Thing. Let's go, baby. Oh, it's amazing. Brian Brenberg is in studio. So she had this comment. Uh, it was so great. She's like, you know, moving to London was the first time I felt like a black woman. I'm like, so naturally you moved right back to America. I'm like, what are, what are we talking about here? So now you're home here by choice and oppressed. It was an abusive relationship. You had to come back to America. Never mind. You were a Hollywood actress. I don't think anybody was watching Suits. But if you're in any Hollywood production on television for a living, your life is a joke. Okay, it's a joke. Me and you talk about this every day. As guys that are lucky enough to be on TV who happen to have come from a background of real work, we die laughing. Do we not? Well, of course, because you're just thinking, do people know I'm doing this? Yeah, yeah. Do people know I'm getting paid for this? Don't tell anyone, okay? Don't tell anyone. I got to pretend like I'm working. There are two feelings in my life at every second of the day. One is a, a boundless gratitude. The other is guilt. (laughs) <laughs> it is, it's guilt. It's, it's like, oh, this is insane. Yeah. And I understand how much work it took for me to get here, but I'm still here, and it's amazing. But see, this is her superpower. Mm-hmm. She's overcome the guilt. She has. She, she has found a way to say, I don't have to feel any guilt about nope. being a, an actor or a royal. <laughs> so let's talk about that. Okay, you got a couple. You have two daughters. Um, these are your daughters. I just want to be clear here. <laughs> Thanks for clarifying. Mikey's favorite comic, Kevin Downey Jr. Uh, KDJ, if you're out there listening on WRCN out in Suffolk, uh, KDJ has a funny joke, a stand-up joke. He's like, I have two beautiful little girls at home, and I have to watch them because every time I look the other way, they run home to their families. (laughs) It's a good joke. He's a funny guy. But the point is, these are your daughters. Um, When the Brenbergs went to Disney, did you happen to – Make them princesses for an hour or at least price it out without telling them? I, I don't even know what this is. Dude, okay. So you can at Disney pretend your daughter is a princess for an hour, but it's really expensive. They, like, put her in a costume. They gussy her up, give her, like, a tiara. She gets, like, a photo op in front of Cinderella's castle. Uh, and then they literally punt her off the balcony. Like, they sent in Ray Guy on 4th and 11 oh to kick her into enemy territory. Because yes. they have other little girls that parents are about to get robbed so they can pretend to be a princess. Being a princess, literally the subject of, like, entire film genres... For as long as there's ever been film, for as long as there's ever been the written word, the prince marrying the princess has been the fantasy job number one of little girls everywhere. She actually hit the little girl fantasy gig 
and didn't like the attitude some people gave her on the limo ride to the private jet runway and decided we ain't doing this. Oh, hell no. <laughs> so, I mean, it, you know, you're like, yeah, you're, you're like you're a little boy and you think I, I just I want to grow up to be, you know, the all time home run hitter. And, yeah. there, and there's one guy who gets to do that. Mm-hmm. There, there's like one person. OK, maybe two, because I guess you've yeah. got Prince William and Kate yeah. or whatever. But I mean, this is it. <laughs> this is it. She, she's hit. She's hit the top. She gets to the top. And she says, "It's not enough for me." No, you gotta, you gotta, <laughs> you gotta like admire, I guess, the ambition or something. I gotta take this one grotesque level further. I can't just be the princess. I've got to be the disaffected princess. <laughs> Disaffection. That's it, right? That's what. That's like the next level up from being at the top. We're talking. Uh, there's. We're talking about comedians. I think it's a Paul Reiser joke from back in the day. He talked about the tongue ring. And he's like, I've never found myself receiving a certain something from a woman and saying to myself, this is nice, but it needs something. <laughs> <laughs> it could, could use something. That's Megan Markle. This is nice. This royal thing is nice, but it could need something. So here's something interesting. This is my theory that I hatched yesterday. I was talking to my buddy Dave Landau. It's a great comic. He's on mm. the show. Dave Landau is at Mark Ridley's Comedy Castle in Detroit this weekend. You guys should go and see him if you're not in Oklahoma Castle, City, does that me. mean he's got kingship in his future? <laughs> he's royalty himself, so stick with me. Uh, we, ta- I, we, we were talking, and this is the theory that I opine, because I've, oh, I've been around a lot of, like, mega comics where, like, I was at Gotham and, say, Seinfeld came in or, like, Chappelle came in or, like, Chris Rock came in, Kevin Hart came in. And the, the one thing I've noticed about all of them is as friendly as they are in the green room, they get out of the public spectacle as quickly as possible, reason being, mm. is a lot of times if you're that rich and influential, people will try to proposition you with business. Mm. Like, hey, here's a script. You should invest in this thing. I've got this crypto thing, you know, stuff like that. And they're so used to what a grifter feels like in the ranks. You know, like when yeah. you're out in public, you can tell if somebody knows who you are and isn't saying hi because right. there's this weird, you know, and it's fine. And I'm like, hey, don't do that to me. It's me. I'm an idiot, you know, just regular little old me. But you kind of get a feel for that. And what I, the re, my theory is on the royals hating her, okay, mm. it's that they probably, having had her in their ranks for a little while, got the energy of other people they've dealt with right. who, having been granted access to the circle, we're trying to trade on the access instead of just they, being in it. They could see this coming from like a mile yes. away. Basically, they said, here's what she's going to do. She, she's going to get in. Mm-hmm. She's going to be in for a second and, and get all the benefits she can from that. And then as soon as that slows down, she's going to get out. Yeah, no question. And, and, then it's, and then the question is, what's next? So, I mean, do her and Harry stay married? I know. Well, that's the interesting thing because you have to ask yourself that question because what happened is she got into the royal family, realized it wasn't as welcoming as she had hoped. I don't doubt for a second it had to do with her own personality because here's a newsflash. If your whole family isn't talking to you, other people's families aren't going to like you either. You know what I mean? That's right. that's usually you. Yeah. Okay, if it's if there's one of you and five of them, it's usually not five of them. It's usually one of you. Yeah. You know, there's a majority rule thing coming into play here. But the truth is she realized, you know, there's no chance of him being king based on how succession works. He's got sons and everything in between. So there was a lot more relevance probably in doing what? Leaving the family, right. becoming the outcast. We're the rebels. We walked away. I mean, it's just it's like it's just the Kardashian model, yeah. right? So uh-huh. you, you get in, you do something, you you ride that all the way, you get out. Yeah. And then maybe you get back in again. Yeah, you know, it's like they'll probably, you know, this marriage will go on another two years and uh-huh. then there'll be the big blow up and that'll be a news story. Then there'll be a documentary yeah. and then Two years after that, they'll probably get back together again, you know, and then they'll take the titles back or whatever. I mean, that's all it is. It's just one carousel of attention all the while. This is the thing that gets me all the while. All they keep saying is all we really want, all we really want 
Just please, would you give us our privacy? <laughs> it's my favorite thing. And I've talked to people who have said, well, I just – I wish people would just give them their privacy. Uh-huh. And I'm like, well – <laughs> hey, are, we, are they really asking for their privacy? Hey, would everyone stop looking at me while you please look at me? Because like, I'd really appreciate it. Yeah, I mean, like it's like I'm walking outside of my boxer shorts. Uh, please stop looking <laughs> at me. Please don't pay attention to that. Please uh, go back to whatever you were doing. Brian Brenberg is in studio, and uh, we're making brilliant points. By the standards of this show, I mean, we have really this next This might be the it. most lucid I've ever been on this show. <laughs> He's not having it. He's not going to pay a lot for this muffler. It's a little Midas commercial. Yeah, I have been I've been so fascinated by the spectacle of this and this whole idea now, okay, because they find themselves Kennedy refers to her as the Duchess of Santa Barbara. And uh, I have coined him the ex prince of Bel Air. Not so quite fresh. But they're burning down their family now. Like they're flat out, they're all a bunch of racists and dirtbags and the king and this and that. It's like what you got to do when you've just run out of everything to say. You have no insightful point to make. You just shout something really controversial. They have nothing to they've, offer. They've got nothing to offer, which tells me that they've got to do something crazy as the next thing. I think they got to split up. I think it's the only thing wow. is they just they have to split, right? And yes. then, it, then they each get their own documentary. They each write their own book. They each get their own paparazzi. Yes, and this is the funny thing, okay, about that. Because that could very well be the strategic play. But the current strategic play, okay, is he keeps saying in this – I just played the Netflix trailer. And, and we concede the point that his mother had a very, okay, adverse relationship with the press – but when he tries to spin this as, you know, my mom went through it and I'm just trying to protect Megan, the difference between his mom and Megan, okay, and the difference between him and Megan is his mom was trying to avoid the media and live her life, you know, and do her AMFAR work and do AIDS benefits right. with George Michael. And she was actually doing impactful work. Like literally, hug, she was hugging lepers at one point to yeah. raise awareness for the issue. Okay, but the point is she was being hounded by the media. Yeah. These people are the media. They signed a deal. They signed up for right. this. They're, they're, they're hounding the media. They're, yeah. they're hounding Thank the media. You. That's the point. Will, will you please pay more attention to us so we can say what yes, we want to say? that's what I mean. Their, mo- their mother, God rest her soul, died outrunning the media. Yeah. They're chasing they're, the media. The, there's been times when the media have said, enough, we can't take <laughs> it. Good. We need a break. No, no, come back. I've got something. To, I'm going to throw somebody else under the bus. You're going to want to <laughs> hear this. I gotta know, I'm going to call somebody a racist. Don't go anywhere. It's That's what's going on. We're living... In the death of shame. It's the death of shame. People don't know shame anymore. Why, I would be embarrassed. Why does it have to be such a slow, tortuous death, though? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> That's the problem. It just keeps getting dragged out. The death of shame has violated the Geneva Convention. It has. You, yeah. We should have just killed shame. But no, shame now has a four-point docu-series in the <laughs> podcast. And I've got to talk about it. I know there's other issues going on in the world, but I want people to understand because what happened is, like, in the combination lock of life, They have turned it like one dial in society enough that a lot of good, well-intended people have been taught really bad ideas. Mm. You know, there's like there's a percentage of well-intended people out there that hate this country. You should not hate this country. Like if you if for whatever you say your cause is, whatever your cause is, we're doing the best job with that cause. If it's inclusion, if it's tolerance, if it's equality, if it's integrating. There's no greener grass. None. There's no greener, None. and there's no greener grass, I no. guess, in a New York these no. days. No, and, and here, not only, is it, not only is it the best grass, but it's legal. You can smoke it everywhere. <laughs> I mean, as grass, as grass goes, you're doing all right if you're in America. 
You know, to quote to quote Animal House, Brenberg. I don't mean to take it there, but we're not going to sit here <laughs> and listen to you bad mouth the United States of America. <laughs> but a lot of people, a lot of people have been taught exactly that. It's like here's the thing. Okay, so you're not Prince Harry, you're not Meghan Mark. You haven't quite hit that lottery. But if you live in America, you have hit the lottery. Like no. if you look out to the rest of the world, you've hit the lottery. This is this is the best place to live on planet Earth. I mean. What did we just do today? We 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 just confirmed that we tr- we we traded a guy named the Merchant of Death. I know that's crazy for one of a basketball player, and I'm so glad that she's back. But like, yeah. America did that. Yeah, I, I'm not sure we got the best deal that no, we the could GM have gotten there because we. If you're listening to sports talk radio right now, <laughs> exactly, <laughs> it, the GM's gone. I mean, you got guys calling in all over the place, but. You know, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I, I so I, I would, I could see why the royals would want to come to America. Yeah, but I can also see why America would say, "You just need to get the heck out." Of here. <laughs> have you? Because we want to keep this place great. You have, know? have you given Canada a call? Well, you know what Molly Hemingway said on the show earlier? She's like, I was hoping we would have traded Brittany Griner for Meghan Markle. I'm like, that's pretty funny. That, now that's <laughs> but, but Putin, GM keeps his job. But Putin was like, hell no. <laughs> Too <laughs> like, smart. Can't help you there. No, ma'am. Uh, Brian Brenberg, I know you've got all kinds of TV and radio to do. I'm going down to Oklahoma City. What are the odds that I don't break my TV diet? Surrounded by all of that barbecue. Uh, I think it would be a shame if you didn't break the diet. That's what I you're saying? You're a human being, and you're an American, and this is, uh, you know, this is tall. This, you're going down OKC, right? Yes. Oklahoma City. Wow. Uh, you, need to, um, you need to do what an American would do down there. This is now a, and I'll leave you with this, it's now a Mel Gibson movie called Fat Heart. <laughs> Freedom! <laughs> a show so good, it's frightening. I got scared. I dropped my hot pocket. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Santa's coming. Santa is coming. Fox Across America, bottom of the ninth, the 8th of December, 2022. I, of course, am coming down to Oklahoma City. I'll be landing in... The OKC tonight around 9, and we will, of course, be at the Bricktown Comedy Club tomorrow night and Saturday. If you're in the area, you want to come hang out with me, some local music celebrities, some fans of The Outsiders, uh, you can certainly get tickets at BricktownComedy.com. I know there are some available. Uh, The following week, I will be out in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Jenny Fala in the house for that one. Uh, We're at the Summit City Comedy Club if you want to come meet Jenny. Uh, Keep her away from the bar so I don't have to put up with her. She's a mess. You get a mom out with no babysitter. You get a mom with no sitter outside the house on a Saturday night. This could be a problem. Oh, my. She's like a population control device. She's like an actual wrecking ball, like a Miley Cyrus. She's going to swing into the showroom on a wrecking ball. Uh, But this weekend, I'll be down in OKC. If you want to hang out in Fort Wayne next weekend, summitcitycomedy.com. We're about to announce a hell of a whole lot of more dates. i got a lot coming up in the spring. We're going to be on the road like crazy. I want to listen. If you listen to the show, you're not a fan. You're a friend. Uh, and you'll meet me and feel like we've just picked up where we left off on the radio because I am the most regular human being I've ever met. And uh, it's you know really cool to be able to share that with you guys because a lot of people in this position who have a lot more talent and name power than I do can't really relate to you, can't really identify with you. Like I hang out with you to the point that you're trying to get rid of me. Uh, but you're not getting rid of me this weekend, okay, see? If you're down in the 405, you better run for it because the champ is coming and we are not messing around. Uh, tomorrow... Uh, we do the show live from the Eagle. So get your game face on down at the Eagle. 
we got to get to LaGuardia Airport and go get that red-hot TSA pat-down that I enjoy so much. I'm a married man. I don't get out a lot. You are so dumb. You are really dumb. For real. I'm being silly. But it's over. Another dominant day on the radio for you and me. Oh, stop it. I stand by the performance either way. Be a Republican. Be a Democrat. Just don't be a... From the Fox News Podcasts Network. Hey there, it's me, Kennedy. Make sure to check out my podcast, Kennedy Saves the World. It is five days a week, every week. Download and listen at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.